Have you noticed how many books are on the market today dealing with the whole topic of success? It's incredible to see the number of books on the market today on that subject. There is a huge appetite on the part of the American public for books like this. People are thinking, oh, maybe this one book right here is going to give me the secret that will finally give me a fulfilled life. Maybe this book right here will show me how I can solve all my problems. Now, the ironic thing about many of these books is this, that some of them have been written by people that have absolutely no track record whatsoever. They just wrote a book. If you want to learn about success, you want to hear from someone who's actually experienced it. You want to hear from someone who's accomplished what you're trying to accomplish. Because the truth is that we learn a lot more from models than we do from manuals. So who should we look to to be a model for us? Well, next to our Lord Jesus Christ himself, I would say that one of the most successful people who ever lived was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul made the most out of his one and only life. He made the moments of his days really count for something lasting and eternal. And today, we're going to take a look at what Paul had to say about the secret of success. Because I would say that if you're looking to live a successful life, Paul's the man if you're looking for a model. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is to open up your Bible to the book of Philippians. We're in a series right now entitled Life as It Was Meant to Be, and we're walking through the book of Philippians. We find ourselves today in the second half of chapter 3 of that four-chapter book. Chapter 3, second half of the chapter. Now, you might want to know that chapter 3 of Philippians is actually Paul's autobiography. And Paul talks about his past in the first 11 verses of chapter 3, which we looked at last week. Now, in the rest of chapter 3, he talks about his present and his future. And right from these verses, we can see a model for successful living. In fact, look at what Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. I printed it there on your message notes. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So today what I want to show you from this passage in Philippians 3 is four secrets of success and successful living that you see from the example of Paul's life. Here's the first secret of success. You can write it down on your notes. If you want to have success in life, if you want to succeed in this thing called life, it takes evaluation. Evaluation. And by evaluation, I mean this. You can write it on your notes. You must face your faults. Face your faults. This is what Paul did. Look at what he said in the first verse that we consider today in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. 
Here's what Paul said in verse 12. Look at that in your Bible. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The point that Paul was making here is this. Successful people never pretend they're perfect. Never start thinking that they have arrived. Never say, I don't need to change anymore or change for the better. And I want to tell you that this runs counter to what we see sometimes in the Christian church. Have you ever met Christians who give you the impression or at least are trying to give you the impression that they never have any problems? That their life is seamless perfection? That it has been 35 years since their last temptation? Their spouse is perfect, their kids are perfect, their job is perfect, their life is perfect, they're perfect, everything's perfect. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Paul says if you want to be successful in life, stop trying to fake it and face up to your faults. Successful people are willing to admit when they're wrong willing to admit when they've made a mistake, when they've blown it. It's as Paul said in Philippians 3.12 in the Good News uh, translation, I printed it also on your notes, I don't claim that I have already succeeded or become perfect. So if you want to succeed in life, here is the question you need to ask yourself. The first question you need to ask yourself, you see it on your notes, where do I need to change? Do a personal evaluation. Hey, if I stopped and asked you, you could probably tell me where your spouse needs to change, <laughs> where your kids need to change, where your neighbors need to change, where your friends need to change, where your boss needs to change. But where do you need to change? Face your faults. And the good news that I can share with you is this. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will have mercy on you. That's the promise of God. God is a merciful God. At the heart of Christianity is the message that God is so merciful that when he saw your faults, he didn't condemn you for those. He didn't cast you away from his presence for those. Instead, what he did is he came in the person of his son, and on the cross, Jesus bore all your faults. He took those upon himself. He took the separation from God that you had coming for you in your place so that you could be loved and forgiven by God and you could have another chance, a second chance, a new beginning in life. I once saw a bumper sticker that said this on it. If at first you don't succeed, so much for skydiving. Hey, did I ever tell you that I jumped out of a plane once at 18,000 square feet, 18,000 feet up in the air? I actually did this. I had always wanted to skydive, and I was on the, f I was a founding board member of a Christian school in the community where Donna and I lived, and uh, after 10 years, I uh, kind of retired from that board, and they wanted to give me a gift, and they went to Donna. And they said, we want to do something Mike would like to do, and Donna said, well, why don't you 
give him the opportunity to skydive. Now, I don't know why you did that exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, I went and got the lessons and everything. It took me 18,000 feet up in the sky, and they, of course, they explained to me I had two shoots, right? The main, the reserve, after that, no more chances. Listen, there's always a chance, always another chance when you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. No matter how many times you blow it, you can always go back for another chance, for another beginning. And that can set us free to do what we need to do to experience successful living, to do evaluation, and to just face our faults. Our world isn't going to implode in on us if we do that. It's a good thing to do, and the grace of God will be with us. Second thing, if you want to experience successful living, not only do you need to practice evaluation and face your faults, you also need to practice elimination. Paul says you need to practice elimination. Here's what I mean by elimination. Write it on your notes. You must forget the former. Forget the former. This is what the Apostle Paul did. Look at what he said in the first part of the next verse in your Bible, verse 13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Would you circle in your Bible that word forgetting? In essence, Paul says here, if I'm going to be all that God wants me to be, if I'm going to be successful in life, I am not going to waste, listen to this, I am not going to waste any more of my time on yesterday. I'm going to learn from it, and then I'm just going to let go of it. I'm going to let go of my grief. I'm going to let go of my guilt. I'm going to let go of my grudges. I'm going to let go of my regrets. I'm going to let go of the past so I can go on in the present and move toward my future. You see, successful people learn from the past without being stuck in the past. Successful people practice evaluation. They learn from the past. They face their faults, learn from it, but they also practice elimination. They forget the former. They let go of the past and move on. I think about me as a pastor and about us as a church. Hey, in my 45 years of ministry, I've had my share of mistakes and failures. I feel a bit like the veteran skipper who was once asked by a novice sailor how he knew where all the sandbars and shoals were in Chesapeake Bay. And here's how the veteran skipper answered his question. I hit every one of them. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I could say the same thing. So what have I endeavored to do as a pastor? To learn from my mistakes, to learn from the past, and then to let go of the past. And do we need to do the same thing as Mission Liberty Hill? Absolutely. Hey, we've hit our share of sandbars and shoals along the way. How else would we learn but that way? And yet it's so important that we learn from the past and then let go of the past. And by the way, this is true not only for our mistakes and failures, it's also true for our successes. Our successes too, you say? Yes, our successes too. 
because you see, the tendency is to want to kind of rest on our laurels, to sit in the past and and sit down on our blessed assurances and say, in the good old days. And listen, in the months and years to come, as God does the new things that he wants to do here at Mission Liberty Hill, it's really important that we don't do that, that we don't say that, because if we do, we'll stop growing. We'll stop experiencing the best that he has for us. That's why God says what he does in Isaiah 43, verse 18. There on your notes, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. So the question you ought to ask yourself as a follower of Jesus is this. Here's the second question. What do I need to let go of? What do I need to let go of? As Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And you can practice elimination. You can forget the former because on the cross, Jesus Christ put away your past so that you can put it away too. How good it is to know that. Thirdly, if you're going to succeed in life as you practice evaluation and face your faults, And as you practice elimination and forget the former, if you want to be successful in life with the help of the Holy Spirit, you also want to practice concentration, concentration. And by that I mean you must focus on the future, focus on the future. Why do you need to focus on the future? Here's why. Because successful Christians, successful churches, successful kingdom-building people are goal-oriented people. They focus on the future. This is what the Apostle Paul did. Look at his example in the rest of verse 13 and then on to verse 14 in your Bible. Here's what Paul said. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straightening forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you that one of the most common diseases in the United States of America today is what I call fragmentosis. Fragmentosis. Fragmentosis is trying to do a hundred different things at the same time. It's being a jack of all trades and a master of none. And Paul says, if you want to succeed in your life, you need to figure out what counts and focus on that. This is really important for us here at Mission Liberty Hill. Think about this. The whole future is out ahead for us. There are so many things that we could do. And I'll tell you this right now, if we try to do them all, no matter how good they are, if we try to do them all, we will not be successful as a church. We need to eat the elephant what? One bite at a time. So we have to focus on some things and endeavor to do them really well. This is what our time of missional goal setting will be all about after our new pastor comes because we'll partner together with him 
and we'll do that. that I am, that's that's going to be such an exciting time for us as a church. And then we'll concentrate because that makes sense, doesn't it? If you take a light and you diffuse the light, what do you end up with? Dimness, darkness. But if you take that light and you focus it, you end up with a powerful laser that can do things. And that's why concentration is so important. If you want to be successful, you need to do that. You need to identify the great goal that God has for your life and then go for that goal. But as you do that, you'll do really well to remember what one troubled man once said. I climbed the ladder of success, and when I reached the top, I discovered that it was leaning against the wrong wall. Do not let that happen to you. You need to ask yourself, what does God want me to concentrate on? What's the goal he has for my life? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Write it down on your notes. What is my greatest goal? And Paul tells us what our greatest goal is in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. You see it there? So we make it our goal to please him. And what pleases the Lord more than anything else? Well, listen to this. Here's what pleases the Lord more than anything else. That we know Christ and we make him known that we make it to heaven one day and we bring as many people as possible with us. That's what pleases him. Paul says this in the next verses in Philippians. Look at verses 20 and 21 in Philippians 3. He said, but our citizenship is heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring all things under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Know Christ, make him known, make it to heaven, take as many people as you can with you. That's the right wall to lean your ladder up against. And here's the fourth secret to succeeding in life. In addition to evaluation, facing your faults, elimination, forgetting the former, concentration, focusing on the future. God calls you to determination, determination. This means that you must, write on your notes, fight on to the finish, fight on to the finish. Paul says in verse 14 in Philippians 3, Look at verse 14. He says four words, I press, or three words, I press on. What he is saying here is that few things worthwhile happen without persistent determination that doesn't quit. There's no substitute for persistent determination. Think about this. Great people are ordinary people with extraordinary amounts of persistent determination. Like the Apostle Paul, they press on. They don't know how to quit. As someone once said, I love this, life is a lot like a 10-speed bike. Most of us have gears we have never used. 
I remember a time in my life and in my ministry when things weren't easy. They were tough. Every pastor in every church goes through times like that. Part of me wanted to quit, but God kept saying to me, don't you dare quit. You need to press on. In essence, what he was saying to me, use those extra gears. Show some persistent determination. So you know what I did? I went into my office and I got the dictionary off the shelf in my office. And then I got a scissors out of my desk drawer. And I opened up that dictionary and I found the word quit and I cut the word quit out of my dictionary. <laughs> cut it right out of my dictionary. Then I turned and I found the word impossible. And I cut that out of my dictionary too. Because the Bible says, nothing is impossible for those who have faith. When I came here to Mission Liberty Hill and got settled into that office and the stuff that used to be in the former office got put in my office, I'll tell you one of the first things I looked for was a dictionary because I did not want two words here at Mission Liberty Hill anymore, quit or impossible. I wanted them to be out of this church because God calls us to press on and he calls us to believe him for great great things determination by the way this is why we don't have to live in a lot of anxiety about, about whether pastor johnson's going to accept the call or not we just we just don't if he accepts the call then hey we know he's the pastor that god wants for mission liberty hill praise god and if he is led by the holy spirit to decline the call then we know that God wanted to use him as a stepping stone for us to get to the pastor who he wants to be, pastor of Mission Liberty Hill, and we'll praise God. But either way, either way, we'll practice persistent determination. Amen? And we'll use gears we haven't used before. Amen? Amen. And either way, we will see God's will worked in this place and we'll see him do great things among us for his glory and for many people to know Jesus. So here's the question you want to ask yourself, where do I need to press on? And then do the Jesus thing. Then do the Apostle Paul thing. Don't quit. And you'll be able to say what the Apostle Paul said. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, let's read that together out loud. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. That's leaning the ladder of your life up against the right wall. That's true success. That's the example the Apostle Paul set for us. In Christ, this is how to succeed in life.
And if you want that for your life, I ask you to stand for closing prayer, please.